Good afternoon, friends. It is Gary Morris from the DLC Group of, of Companies Head Office. Uh, I am super excited about being with you this week. Uh, thank you. We've changed the regular format schedule. Uh, so for all of you tuning in, we really appreciate being flexible on your uh, schedule. Uh, today is a is a great honor for me. Um, I'm having a, a dear friend of mine that we're going to uh, introduce in just a minute here. Uh, join us on uh, today's Level Up call. Uh, my guest today is Misty Lowen. And Misty Lowen is from uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, a small town of about 55,000 uh, people. Misty is the uh, entrepreneur and founder of Misty's Dance Unlimited and more than just great dancing. Uh, Misty currently operates um, licensed dance studio affiliated uh, dance programs. And she has a positive impact to more than 120,000 uh, dance students every week around the globe. She's not only in Canada and the US, but Australia and New Zealand and Aruba and Dubai and, and many other locations. Misty is also a best-selling author, One Small Yes. Uh, this is an amazing read, guys. I'm going to send you the links later on. Uh, I'm going to give some of these uh, books away towards the end. She is a keynote speaker. Uh, a property developer, a coach and mentor. And I think most importantly, she is an amazing mother to five beautiful children uh, and married her high school sweetheart, Mitch. Misty, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So fun. And hello, everybody in Canada from Wisconsin, which we say is little Canada, by the way, based on our winters. Yeah, well, it's incredible. And, and it's funny because I did a few lead up videos and I was talking about how do you build this global sort of empire from, I mean, you know, lacrosse is a very small, uh, obviously, town, but where you started your business, uh, not too far away. How do you pronounce it? On Alaska. On Alaska. And there's like 17 or 18,000 people in, in that uh, community. Yeah, it's it's quite small. I mean, which is some humble beginnings here. I'm from very specifically the north side of Lacrosse. So for anybody back home who's listening, uh, important to acknowledge where I came from. It's just the working class side of town, and uh, grew up in dance, loved dance, thought I would be a dancer. Really, just felt what I would call a God nudge in my heart to let the classroom be my stage. And you know, I think some of what they say, the rest of history is true. But you know, Gary, lots of small steps in between those early yeah. days of being a student and what we're doing now. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Dan, our Misty is, is involved or I'm involved in Misty's CEO group and, uh, and just to watch what Misty has done uh, and her humble beginnings has, has been a lesson and, and a gift for all of us. So Misty, the first question that I'm going to ask you is just how did you do it? Right. I mean, how did you build this massive business and raise five kids from small town USA? Well, that's probably the question I get asked the most, and it's the one that I can't answer. And I'll tell I'll tell you why, because people will ask how I did it. And what they're looking for is a magic formula to what I currently live in and what I currently manage and what I currently lead. So as a just a brief and broad brush strokes, we have a brick and mortar dance school we've run for 23 years with about 900 students. We just built a brand new 21,000 square foot facility. It's, it's beautiful. And then we license our intellectual property, not too dissimilar to franchise, but it's licensing. So it's a, it's an a la carte. They can use all the tools or as few of the tools as they want. It's called more than just great dancing. And it helps studio owners to 
get the triple win of making a better income, a better impact, and having a better life at home, which I know is one of the things that's important to you, Gary, and why we're talking here today. And those affiliated studios, 300 of them now across the globe, are serving over 120,000 kids a week. So, so Gary, why I say I can't answer that is because people are asking me how I did what they see today. And there really were probably a million small yes decisions between those humble beginnings I spoke about growing up on the north side of lacrosse, thinking I wanted to be a dancer, realizing that the classroom would be my stage and fast forwarding 23 years and seeing what we're doing now. But I can tell you this, Every step was basically a small yes decision to maybe take a risk, maybe try something new, maybe uh, strengthen a relationship or build a skill set or sharpen the saw or maybe even to fix something. And really, it is the accumulation of all of those small steps and honestly, a few no's, which we can talk about later because you can't have yes without some no in there that led to me to where I'm at today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, incredible. And you know what? And you talk about, you know, uh, having to change and always be on high alert and, and pivot in business. I mean, you know, so your business that you have created uh, up until recently was a business of the students coming into a bricks and mortar. So when we talk about this pandemic and, you know, the the destruction that it's done to health and welfare, uh, but also to the economic meltdown, you were in the the eye of the storm. Misty, how have you navigated around there? How do you go and all of a sudden overnight have to change your entire model? Yeah, Gary, we weren't just in the eye of the storm. We were in the eye of the storm flying a plane that couldn't handle it and building a new one at the same time. So as Gary said, we're service. So 100%, at least on the local studio side, brick and mortar. And, and honestly, 100% at our affiliate side, brick and mortar. So even though I serve them digitally and remotely, they all have brick and mortar. So let's just call it 100% brick and mortar. And we knew that if we couldn't keep it going here in Alaska, Wisconsin, we couldn't keep it going for our 300 affiliates around the globe. We, we had to show them it was possible. So it was a forcing event, a forcing factor for us to do things we had previously considered absolutely impossible. We had never thought it would be possible to serve dance classes online. We had never thought it'd be possible to do performances for hundreds of kids online or to do what we did just two weeks ago, which was to completely flip our performance model and say, hey, instead of doing one show with hundreds of kids, Let's do hundreds of shows for one kid at a time. And now we have hundreds of studios all over that are literally doing things like front porch recitals. They are trucking <laughs> pages to the yards of kids. They are doing the virtual recitals. We did what was called red carpet. You know, let the kids come one at a time and have their star moment on stage. We just didn't think any of these things were possible. So we're thankful that we were forced to use our creativity in new ways, which will actually put us in a stronger position to serve more people in the years ahead. Yeah, and I mean, it's it really is a sign of uh, of any entrepreneur, right? The ability to pivot, and you know, we 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 often make the uh, you know best decisions under under pressure because we are forced. I mean, we've all done this as entrepreneurs, and Misty, you and I, you know, have talked before, but you know, obviously on this call we have. Um, you know, live streaming and we have registrations and there's thousands of people that, um, you know, are going to hear us speak and, and they all, you know, um, started one day at, at one place. 
um, and and you did it uh, and navigated through the difficulty of starting a business and building a business, um, you know, one step at a time. But you also did it with did it with a very young family. So I want to remind everyone on the call that if you have a question for Misty, uh, please uh, send it in on screen. David will make sure that it gets to me and I ask Misty. But as a as a busy mom and a, a thriving entrepreneur, is there any such thing as balance? Is it is it just many, many years of around the clock sacrifice? I mean, is there a happy medium? It's all of that. And it really depends on the day. I, I was listening to your interview that you did with Lewis Howes and something that he said really resonated with me. And he talked about, you know, the hustle of those early years and the be willing to go all in. And, you know, that actually makes me think of the early years of being a parent. You know, I as as Gary said, I have five kids. Um, at one time, we had five kids under the age of eight and we were building our businesses. So I had an eight, six, four two and newborn and we're and we're building these businesses and um talk about being all in i mean there there's just no way to do that part way and you know that really mirrored those first years of building the business when i mean gosh when we started that studio i'd be at the studio at 7 a.m i'd work an eight hour day running the business side then i'd hit the second shift which would be putting on you know, trading the dress shoes for dance shoes, putting on the leotard, teaching, cleaning, leaving at 11 o'clock at night, you know, go home, finish email and loop the whole thing over again. Right. And then I had kids. As soon as I thought I kind of got out of the, the grind of starting the business, then it was it was starting a family. And, you know, if you have kids, that's an around around the clock deal. And that that early um, that early gift, I will say it this way of being able to go all in has served me, but not in the way that you're going to guess. So so let me break it down for you this way, Gary, and um, for Gary's friends here listening. Now I'm learning to go all in when I'm at home. I'm learning to go all in when I'm at the studio. I'm learning to go all in when you know, I'm trying to sit still at church, or I'm going all in when I'm having a conversation with a friend or over a coffee. Gary, that's incredibly hard for me because those early years of going all in on the business, I think made me, I don't know if I want to say favor that, but it's easier for me to go all in on business than it is for me to go all in maybe in some of those other areas. So I'm applying that gift of, you know, we had to go all in on business and I'm saying, you know, Misty, what does it like to go all in and play Monopoly with your kids? That That's hard for me. We play Monopoly. <laughs> You know how long Monopoly is? It's yeah. like, like a lifetime. It's like a four-hour game. Right. So when you say, you know, is it this or that? I think it's both and. You know, there are some days where I feel like I'm burning around the clock on both. And sometimes it's and I'm seeking to be present in one place or the other. Some days I'm looking for the balance. So I just kind of reject the narrative that it has to be one thing. I'm really looking at my family, my business today and saying, how can I show up best for my business today and show up best for my family day? And some days that means I'm all in both places, one or the other, a mix of both and giving myself the grace to make that decision as I go now. Mm, incredible. You know, Misty, uh, one of the things that I read that you uh, said in your book, you said, um, just how important discipline is, right? And and routine. And you said, my routine doesn't enslave me. It actually saves me. Totally. So there's a lot of people I think that, you know, are wondering what that routine sort of looks like because what we all want to do with our day, 
and I think you described it great in the book, um, and what we actually have to do, right, with our discipline yeah. to, you know, lead us towards that ultimate goal of serving. And, you know, you also said uh, what I love uh, was the routines I built, you know, are often boring, but I want to be very clear. The life I built is not. So can you yeah, just talk to us about those routines and how they save you? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love that. And you're bringing me back. It's uh, been a couple of years. We wrote the book in 2016. So to hear some of this come back is fun for me to listen to. But what I referenced is, hey, I have this routine that probably looks boring on the outside. And I don't necessarily even like it all of the time, but I like the results that it gives. The routine may be, for, be boring, but the life is not. And if I'm really candid and I would choose just my own way, I wouldn't do that routine at all. I mean, I wouldn't wake up and go for a walk or go for a run. I wouldn't wake up and have quiet time or I wouldn't wake up and uh, get my thoughts in order for the day. I wouldn't wake up and make breakfast for my kids. On my own, I wouldn't wake up. I would <laughs> I'd stay up too late and I'd sleep in and I'd roll over and I'd check social media and I would just kind of see how the world is today. I'd probably worry about things. I'd have you know, food delivered to my house. I just, I wouldn't do the things that actually give me the life that I enjoy today. You know, I'm, I'm healthy. I have healthy kids. Some of that obviously through our own effort, a lot of it, I think is also a, a, a God gift, right. but a lot of it is discipline too. You know, we, we've done the thing we didn't want to do for long enough where we're getting the result that, that we want. Some of that's financial, some of it's relational, some of it's time. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal for me with five kids that I don't teach dance anymore, mm -hmm. very little. And that might sound surprising to some of you because I grew up, I loved it, I wanna be a dancer, felt like the classroom was my stage. But once we started having five kids, dance is retail hours, it's nights and weekends. And I know a lot of the people listening here know what I'm talking about, right? I mean when does the home get shown when um do you meet to sign those papers you know pre-covid that was probably nights and weekends and hopefully this is, has a forcing factor on you to look at how you can do things differently and to say you know maybe you can reject some of the narrative that you thought was 100 locked around the life that you chose just like i've said hey you know what I don't think I'm just going to buy in lock, stock and barrel to the idea that I can only be one way or the other. or I can only be at work or at home or I can either only be 100 percent present or a 100 percent not great uh, worker or an employer or mother at that time. So I'm hoping, if anything, our conversation today is freeing people mm -hmm. to look at things in new ways and to develop disciplines about life now. Right, Gary, here's something that I've learned for sure in raising five kids. The disciplines I needed when they were babies are not the disciplines I need today. The disciplines that you know I, I needed pre-COVID are not the disciplines that I need today. The disciplines I need in the summer are different from the disciplines I need in the school year. And to be able to say, what, what do I need to put around me now that will help me to show up as the best version of myself in work and at home so at the end of the day, I can say more often than not, today was a good day. That's my goal. Yeah, uh, I mean, so powerful. What a, what a great message. David, I see we have a, a question coming in. Do you want to, uh, Tracy Volko, hi, Gary. What were the main staple steps Misty took to build her business that would apply to any business owner out there? The main staple steps. 
Yeah, so what I love about entrepreneurship is so much of it is universal, right? So I'm in dance, but you don't have to have any dance moves or dance steps to understand the steps that I'm going to share with you. And really for me, it was getting clear about what value I bring and who is the right recipient of that value. And by, by right, I mean, who's looking for what it is that we offer and straight out of the gate, we, we decided that we wanted to do a great job at dance and later we expanded that definition to be more than just great dancing. And here's what that meant to us. I'll tell you a story I so clearly remember. I'd been in business for a couple of years. We were really trying hard to produce great dancers and I get hired to be the MC at a local dance competition. And I'm here watching these moms dragging these kids. It's like at the crack o'clock in the morning. They come in, they've got their hairs and rollers and the giant babes and all this effort, right? For two minutes on the floor two minutes and it's over. And I go rogue on the mic, Gary. I say, live audience, thousand people in the audience, kids packed everywhere. I said, if you came for your two minutes on the floor today, you completely wasted your time. <laughs> you could have felt <laughs> the air suck out of that yeah. room. And I said, hang with me. Hey, you know, I, I can imagine the organizers were like, kill the mic, pull her off with the old vaudeville shepherd's crook, get her off the stage. I said, hang on, hang on, stay with me. But if you're here and you invested in dance because dance was a great way for your kid to learn the life lessons of get up when you fall down and to finish what you start and you're only as strong as your weakest link. So every person on the team matters and do something with your whole heart. Then you've made the best investment ever. You know, it was like slow clap in the audience. And you know, <laughs> it was a moment to find that who am I? What do I offer and who values how we do this thing we call business, right? So in, in terms of those steps, it was figuring out, you know, what is my, what's my thing of value? Who values that and how can we grow with it? And I think I just gave you, you know, kind of a pretty reliable framework there because we've evolved over time. You know, it was, it was 15 years into business where we said, who else would value what we're doing? Other studio owners, other studio owners who were standing in line for two hours to ask questions at the end of a conference because you know, they thought we were some kind of rainbow zebra, you know, or a <laughs> mythical unicorn. How is this woman raising kids? And, you know, she has a nice living. She's making a good impact on our community. So again, to build my second business, I did the same thing. What, what do we have that's of value to people? Who's looking for that? And then how can we iterate on it? How can we develop that over time? And, you know, gosh, Gary, we went from just helping people with their business to now we are... Uh, we're certifying teachers and we have manager training and sales training. We're leading national conversations. Um, they're really important right now in, in our country based on our times. And that's an evolution, but it always goes back to what, what are we good at? Who values what we're doing and how can we grow together? Yeah, yeah incredible. Thank you, David. Before we ask that next question, I'm just going to uh, uh, finish along this topic here. So, Miss, two things. Um, we're talking offline you talked about you know the need for scrappiness and and the need for scrappiness as as a as a female as a mom especially is much longer it never goes away right like for men you know we we have such an easier job oh my goodness like just if i haven't said this and i've said it many times uh miss so this is for you how appreciative we are i mean behind every good man there's a good woman behind every good family there's a good mother you know, but you talk about your job never ends. So it is way harder than ours. So can you talk to me about that ongoing scrappiness and and the misty minute? You once said to me last year or the year before, Gary, like we have to, as women, because we're busy with our children, we have to get experts at increment 
time management, 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes. Can you just like narrow down on that for us? Because I thought that was very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So I just addressed the scrappiness first. So, you know, I feel like my entire life I've had to be scrappy. Now, part of that may be based on how I grew up or where I grew up. And I think that served me well. But that aside, you know, going into business, I had no business background. Gary, you and I spoke about that. You know, I didn't come in with a, uh, any funding. I didn't come in with I mean, I'm a Spanish teacher by trade in all candidness. That's what I went to college for. So it's about the first thing for running a business in the arts that you could think of. So I had to, they talk about building the plane while we were flying it. I wasn't just building the plane. I was trying to figure out what parts go in a plane. Like I, I wasn't like I had the parts there and I just had to like assemble it as I go. I didn't have the parts. I didn't have the network. I didn't know what they were called. I had no blueprint. So it was building all of those things. And maybe that's familiar to some of the people listening here. I mean, maybe you didn't grow up in a financial family and you're in a financial services industry. Right? Maybe this wasn't your first language. It's not your your native tongue. And you had to go take a course. You had to learn this. You had to meet people. You had to go through the process yourself. So, so I had to be scrappy to get in. And then I had to be scrappy to do the next step, whatever that was. At one point, it was building a building and buying a building and then navigating staff and leading staff and um, leading change in our industry, developing licensing. I didn't know what that was. I didn't have language for that. So this, this scrappiness has stayed with me throughout my entire career and throughout parenting. I mean, I feel like parenting is such a great example for the life cycle of a business. So, you know, you think about it, you have, you know, maybe you're, oh, I want to have a family someday and you're in the dreamy stage. So you get scrappy about how, you know, how is that going to happen? Well, we maybe you want to have a, a house or you're going to get married. Okay, now you've got a family. It's like, oh my gosh, I want to raise the best child possible and you get you get scrappy about that and you're staying up late and you're taking care of it okay well now they're toddlers okay i want to raise the safest child <laughs> possible so you get scrappy about them then they go to school oh my gosh i want to raise the smartest child possible so you get scrappy about that then they become teenagers oh my gosh i want to raise the kindest most empathetic child possible so you get scrappy about that and then they're adults i mean i have a 20 year old now i want to raise the most confident child who's actually not a child anymore and i feel like isn't our business the same way gary right when you start it you're like i just want a business that survives yeah yeah <laughs> i want rude people i can do this yeah. then, you get, then you get the toddler business where it's starting to get more skills and maybe a little bit more cash than um common sense you're like i just want i just want my business not to get itself in trouble i don't want it to go too fast and fall flat on its face and you know, then it grows up. You're like, I just gotta, I gotta learn how to do this smart. I, I gotta learn how to lead with my heart and lead with kindness. I, I've got to learn how to be confident and maybe step back from my business and let other people lead it. So this, this whole scrappiness through, through your own self growing up, you can look at that. If you have kids through your kids growing up, through your business growing up, I just, I don't think for the, for the, the people who really keep their heart in the game, I don't think that goes away. I think some people lose it. I think some people, you know, maybe a bit of hubris kicks in. Maybe they think they've, you know, kind of mastered something. Maybe they've deluded themselves into thinking that. Maybe they've gotten tired. I think that happens to a lot of, especially women. Uh, Gary, we pull what, if I can uh, shift gears a, a, a little bit here and say, we pull what my sister would call the 90 the invisible 90%. And I don't know that 90 is a lockdown number, but let me say this. I do know in my own experience, there's 
there's something that naturally falls to that mother figure in the home, like birthday presents, mm -hmm. like dental appointments, like making sure they have clean underwear, shoes, they have clothes that fit for the school year, the permission slip is signed. I mean, there's just kind of this invisible bulk of parenting that just tends to fall towards the mother. Not always, I get it, not in all circumstances, but certainly mine and many people that I know. And I think that adds to, so you've got this whole scrappy climb going on over here, right? And you kind of have this invisible 90 that keeps the anchor over here. And, you know, sometimes you just uh, need to pause. And I think COVID was a great time to pause. Mm -hmm. Great time to pause and really just say, before I go into this post-COVID world, what do I want to take with me? Mm -hmm. And what do I want to leave behind? You know, what's mm -hmm. no longer serving me anymore or helping me to serve others or serving my family and be willing to let those things go and uh, let the forcing factor of this situation maybe build a better version of what you had before. Certainly yeah. has. What a great answer, right? I mean, there's just never been a better time to be introspective and look back at ourselves and and shake the things in our life maybe that we put up with for too long. And, yeah. and you know, the other thing, uh, Misty, that I mentioned with you is the the sort of Misty Minute and and the, and the how much time that you have to make in your schedule in 30-second increments. Um, do you want to just uh, touch on that so the audience knows what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. I think this will be familiar. So do you guys get uh, Sesame Street broadcast up yeah. in Canada? Okay, great. So this will this will resonate with you guys. So when my kids were little, Elmo was just like the thing. And I lived for Elmo. He came on in a half an hour segment, but really it was 17 minutes excluding commercials, right? So I had 17 minutes at a time that I ran my business on. And, you know, I'm talking like two hours of sleep, one cup of coffee, 17 minutes of focus. And it, it was all those small little uh, you know, snapshots in time. And that was like the fragments of effort that built what we're enjoying now. In, in Carrie, when I slept for five hours the first time after my kids were born, I told somebody I was running for president. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can take on the world. I mean, I have five hours of sleep and a babysitter came over for five hours. Like five plus five wasn't 10, it was 5,000 to me because I'd gotten so good. Um, as a mom of young kids and as a steward of a young business, I basically had double toddlers. I had twins. I had, I had a young business and I had young kids at home and call it triplets. And I was a young leader, right? So it was like toddlers leading toddlers leading toddlers. Um, so I, I learned pretty quick how to identify what the most important thing was. And I would just say to myself this, and I still say it today, if I get nothing else done today, what has to be done? If I get nothing else done right now, what has to be done? And I that never left me. Kind of the same way. I mean, it was like a good a good trauma, if you will, right? Yeah. My great grandmother lived through the Great Depression, and you know she was never the same. I mean, she would reuse paper plates, and I think there's something about me about the way I use my time. That's yeah. a little bit like my grandma with the paper plates. Like if there's five minutes, I'm getting something done because I don't know when I'll get my next five. You know, I mean, I just find that so powerful. I just find that there's such a lesson in there for, for everyone. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, females have to do it and they're amazing and they find ways. And But for us men that think we work so hard, I just like, I want to actually like whack myself and wake up, dude, because you are so, 
you know, like I got so much more runway. Um, it, it's, it's crazy because we talked a little bit about those early days and you talk about fear and doubt. And, you know, I remember getting into the Canadian mortgage space, didn't have any background in it. And, and for, for the first, I don't know, five or six years, in many ways, I felt like the imposter. I'd be on stage talking about something. And, you know, in my mind, I thought like, you know, can I do this? I'm not worthy. There's way smarter people in the room, you know, than me. And you have to fight through that because, you know, one of the things uh, that your book also says that I loved, and it's so true, um, and it talked about uh, beginner's blues, and it talked about the common denominator amongst many achievers, most achievers actually, is they didn't know what they were doing when they started out. <laughs> thankfully, and, right? Well, th right, thankfully. <laughs> and I think that's important for people to hear that because I think there's a lot of people who are doing a very good job in our profession right now, but you know, they still want to go. So they want to go to the next level. They want to build bigger teams. They want to have more offices. They want to do more volume. They want to be more, you know, involved in their community. And, and it's a lesson, you know, to just remind people that, you know, being green and not knowing and being fearful uh, is part of the journey. I mean, you know, your, your trials and tribulations are actually your power. Yeah, 100%. And I would just say, going back to that reference of that, you know, growing up in business or that life cycle in business, I mean, look at a kid growing up, right? You know, the baby can't sit, then it can't crawl, then it can't walk. Like it's taking on <laughs> milestones one at a time, right? It can't separate from its mom. Oh my gosh, now it can do kindergarten, right? And now it can ride a bike. And, and, and now the child has friends. And I mean, just all of that, but it's a never ending new thing to learn and a new fear to get over. And I think there's so many parallels to that as we grow our businesses, right? I mean, we really do start out kind of naked and afraid yeah. in business. I mean, we're, I know very, very few people who came out and they were just like, you know, 100% resource, 100% confident, 100% um, staffed up, you know, 100% equipped. I, I don't know, Gary, if you can find one, I'd love to interview them and find out yeah. like, be like to be the rare one percent of business that started with all your ducks in a row mm. or that tackled your next step with your ducks in a row i i don't think i think you don't think you're going to find many examples of that but i think what you will find is people who built resilience and muscle just to look back because history is the best predictor of future performance and when i look ahead with some bit of fear like oh, that you know like i don't know how to do this next thing i will say to myself literally well misty you didn't know how to do this other thing and it worked out. You didn't have the people in place for that last thing that you tried, but you met them or you hired them. You didn't have the skills to do that other scary thing, but you learned them. I mean, here you and I are here in our you know mid-career, if you will, and we're still out learning at conferences. I mean, you and I sat side by side at a three-day conference, sharing notes, being like, "What was that set like that? Yeah, that's, yeah. The golden, yeah. that's the golden nugget right there." Yeah. You know, so, I think we build a a stamina for new things so that here's here's what i hope that the small yes i'm taking now is a stronger more confident um bigger yes than the one i took before right right that i have more muscle for that and also that i have more awareness hopefully <laughs> just if if i took the yes too far or the risk too big to say, hey, I got to walk this back. I have to slow this down. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping my resilience is countered by awareness, two sides of one coin. Mm. <laughs> that, that faith, the resilience, the confidence piece is, you know, is tempered by mm. awareness and wisdom. So I get the best of both. I'm going, to, 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know what? Like, just so many great key takeaways there. I'm making notes myself here as we. Uh, so, Miss, I want to go to one question here that's coming in quickly, and then when we come back from that question, I want to talk about personal development because that's how you and I met, and you know, the the lifelong pursuit of of getting better and working on yourself, and and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about sort of what that means to you, what you do, uh, and because I really want people to know that. You know, it isn't a one and done. We don't go to one course, or read one book. I mean, it is a lifelong pursuit. It never ends. So let's go to the question first. David, do you want to fire that up? My 16-year-old daughter has danced for years. She loves it with all of her heart. I have told her to find the money in dance uh, so that uh, she can make it a career, so she can dance for life. What advice would you have for my daughter? Oh, Rich, I love that. And hello to your daughter. I'd love to know uh, if you mind adding in what her name is and uh, where she's dancing. It's so fun for me to see how how large and yet small the dance community is. So here what I would here's what I would say because I have a daughter who's 19 uh, going on 20 and uh, she's dancing semi-pro right now recovering from an ACL injury at the moment and we're really using this time to expand her skill set beyond dance because I really feel like just like so many of you have had to, you're probably realizing this and feeling this is you need more than one tool in your tool bag. You can't just be a mortgage broker. You have to be a mortgage broker who's also awesome at social media and networking and leading people and probably accounting and budgeting and whatever else is in your world, right? Those are some of the things in my world. And honestly, for the dancers, you know, your your advice is sound rich as a dad, you know, to figure out how you can make money and let that support the dance so the dance can stay in the joy zone and it doesn't have to become like the work, the thing that you have to do, the next gig that you have to take because you have to pay the rent. Develop a broader skill set because dancers are now, for all intents and purposes, entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? You know, they have to know how to present themselves, to market themselves, to read contracts, to manage their money, to uh, to to network and to have other skills, to have credentials. Like I own a company called Youth Protection Advocates and Dance. Get certified. You have great certifications in Canada as well. You know, get get ACRO uh, certified. You can do that up in Canada. Get, get DAP certified. <laughs> get RID certified. So I think it is just like for dance, just like for your mortgage brokers, you need more skills than whatever it is that you hang your shingle on. We're, we're, we're past a single skill set economy. That's gone. So that's, uh, that makes so much sense. So it's funny. I was just, somebody asked me this morning, they're a residential broker and they wanted to become a commercial broker. And it's very hard to get into. And I said, well, you know, in, a, in order to be more, you have to become more. And I said, so rather than sitting at home tonight, watching television for an hour or two, you know, you should be online and investigating and talking to people and, and personal development. And you have to put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours in. And then very quickly you realize, well, I'm not a neophyte anymore. And, and I actually know a lot by osmosis. It's it's that one small step, that one right. yes that you, that you speak about. So, Misty, you and I originally met, uh, you know, through personal development. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone knows here, we've had Darren on the call before. He's a dear friend of yours, a dear friend of mine. Um, but it's funny because, you know, entrepreneurs all have realized very early on that it never ends. Like I, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I study business for a hobby. I study business, podcasts, business wars, and I know you do as well. And so maybe share 
by the way, can make it really exhausting for the other people in our life. I've tried to explain this, you know, and, and maybe you can, I don't know how on StreamYard you would wave your hand around or throw a thumb up in the chat box if this resonates with you. But have you ever heard from somebody in your life like you work too much? I'm like, oh, you don't understand. Actually, like work is my work and work is my hobby. So like I love to build businesses, but I love to read about building businesses and I love dance and I love to learn about dance. So, you know, back when I had only the studio, if I wasn't teaching dance, I was looking at dance or I was dancing. So there was like, it was really hard for the people around me not to understand that that was actually whole living to me. Mm -hmm. That wasn't overload. That was what fed me. Mm -hmm. That kept me in the game. And now I've transferred that to business. I love to learn about leadership and management and, and ethics and organizational change and and marketing. And, I mean, whatever it is that is the, you know, the, the thing I'm wanting to sharpen my saw at. And it makes it a little hard for the people around me to say, can't you just turn it off? And I said, but I'm just actually being the fullest expression of me right now. Like, <laughs> Gary is not like a two coffee version of Misty. This is actually, this is me. It, yeah. is, I, it makes me smile to talk about this. It makes me smile to think that somebody might be listening who's trying to figure out how to grow a family, grow a business, um, grow their skill set, and they, they want to talk to somebody who's figuring it out too and who's maybe you know paved a bit of the path to show some of that's possible or at least one way of many that it could be possible you know i, I mean i can see by all the thumbs in the comments and the messages that i'm getting my phone's vibrating like crazy <laughs> you know uh just how many you know points that you're resonating with you know when it when it comes to you know people we talked about it earlier a little bit fear and doubt uh, you said something um, in, in your book that resonated with me, and it said the emotion of fear and doubt have a place in your one small yes journey because they are regulators and they make us think twice before we do something. Yeah. The key, though, is to keep fear and doubt in the proper place, only as caution lights, not as red lights that will keep us from moving forward towards our calling. Yeah. So how do you know when when one is a full stop red light and one is a caution light? Or do you know? You know, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. You know, as your muscles for confidence and resilience grow on one side of that coin, if you will, on the other side, you also have to grow your awareness and understanding of, of wisdom and caution. And, you know, while you know what happened before, what can I learn from others? So really, you want both of those growing at the same time that discernment in that confidence and for me it almost always uh starts with like a just a check in my spirit like just a you know i'm about to say something i'm about to sign something i'm about to look into something and there's just like a a, a check in my spirit and usually i feel like if i feel that pause i need to pause and i've really learned the value of pausing over the last uh, i would say few years and I used to feel like if I would pause on something, it would be interpreted or misinterpreted as um, lack of confidence. Maybe I wasn't sure. Maybe I didn't have um, you know, everything laid out. Maybe I didn't do my homework about something. But I'm really learning the value of the pause is maybe to seek greater information, to double check the numbers, to ask for me, I'm, you know, like, who are the people in my, I trust in my inner circle? that I can bump this decision up against mm. and get feedback. So for me, that that check in my heart that causes me to pause, I'm leaning into the pause now, 
not so that I can slow down, but actually so that I can go faster because I don't want to I don't want to have to figure as many things out on the fly as I used to. I think that's one of the benefits of growing up, right? So going back to that kind of life cycle thing that we talked about, Gary, you know, like think back to when you were a teen or a young adult and you got your first apartment. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know, find a rummage sale, go to the Goodwill, who, you know, maybe a, a family member has some pots and pans and a couch in the bar, like right. you're figuring it out, right? Yeah. At my age now, <laughs> if I, want something new. I want to be able to, I want to be able to enjoy the benefit of going to the store. Like I want to have grown up in that. Does that, does that make sense? I don't mm -hmm. want to have to like that, that I should have the skill to not have to scrap around that piece of it. Doesn't mean I'm not scrappy, but I'm scrappy about a different thing. I'm scrappy about getting a better price on that house and getting a better price for maybe the brand new furniture and getting a better price for the mover in the decorator. I've, I've like grown up in it. So, so for me, that wisdom piece and that confidence piece, I want to grow up so that if I'm like, I'm going for this and I'm like, ooh, pause, I wanna be able to have a better set of, of regulators on this side. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have wandered around like wringing my hands. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I, I'm in fear, I don't know. And now I'm like, okay, let me just check. Let me check all the numbers. Let me check my team. Let me check the market. Let me check this. The pause is so that I check. I make sure it's all engines go and then we go. Right. Just like, you know, like I try to say with the, with the house analogy, you know, I can go faster. I can get a house put together faster now because I've gone through the steps of doing it the, the slow and scrappy way. Now, if I want to, you know, I'm not buying a new house, by the way, <laughs> wondering if I'm in the market. I'm not, but yeah. it's just thing I think you might understand like I can go on that now because I've I've done it slow enough times mm. where I can go on that and if if you slow down enough times it will be not so that you slow down but so you can go fast because you've you've listened to that regulator mm. it's so different I mean I'm st staring at a busy street right now Gary people slow down at the intersection yeah not 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 because they're afraid of hitting a good speed on the other side but because they want to be able to they want right. to the intersection yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I tell you, I, I mean, this is one of your many callings, but you sure are good. You're incredibly articulate, uh, Mist. I mean, you make it so easy to understand and take away real bite-sized. Sure. I've had to explain to my kids so many times, okay, so it's really important to put your clothes in the laundry. The laundry is like yeah. a basketball hoop. Actually, yeah. the laundry is like a goalpost. The laundry is like the bullseye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, true. Literally explain it many times. So, so true. So, Miss, today, and it's getting much better, and we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot of movement right now. We're seeing, you know, things like, you know, Black Lives Matter, and we're seeing, you know, to your point, this time more than ever before, people are reassessing, and we're we're learning. We're taking these, these there is these destructive issues that are happening in the world today, and we're all taking that pause now. Uh, more than we ever have and we're and we're 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 becoming better and the lights are finally going on and that's the same thing with the female movement and the inequalities for so many years and the the differences in 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 you know pay and recognition and advancement and it's a challenge in our business still and you know and we see it what do you think still today are the greatest challenges for female entrepreneurs what are they facing still that we have to get better at 
Oh, gosh. I so appreciate that you're even willing to ask this question and give me an opportunity to share from my experience. So I will say that this is my personal experience. I don't know if it speaks for everybody, but I'd be happy to see if it does. If you guys would, you know, throw a thumb up or let us know that this resonates with you. Uh, but for me, here's one thing that constantly comes up that reminds me that I'm not viewed as an equal in the marketplace. And that is how people will make questions about the amount of time that I work or about my travel schedule. So, you know, I have friends who travel for work. I have friends who are entrepreneurs and I've just have never been in a, you know, in a social setting or um, a school setting, church setting where somebody would say to them, you know, wow, you know, are you concerned about how your, you know, your work schedule is affecting your kids? Hey, you're traveling a lot. Are the kids okay? Is the marriage okay? And that's just an easy, uh, it's an easy example, but it's one that I've heard so many times over the years where I've just noticed, you know, why isn't, you know, why isn't John being asked about whether or not his schedule or his travel or his work has made some sort of, uh, you know, detrimental impact on on his family another one that i can think of right away it's actually very specific to my industry and perhaps it's um maybe there's a parallel to yours but the field level of dance is primarily female-led by field level i mean the local dance studio you know the bulk of the industry is built on the local dance studio and the bulk of that market is led by women but when you look upstream to the to the businesses that serve the dance studios, the B2B market and the suppliers and the conventions and curriculums, competitions, costumes, classwear, all of that, right? You go upstream, it's primarily male-led. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a cognitive dissonance here when I look at my industry and, and say that the field is not represented, you know, the marketplace is not actually represented in the leadership. And I, I can speak very personally about how many job offers I've had for BP and not CEO. And yeah. when I know that I've got the experience, I know that I have the voice to your point, I know that I can articulate uh, the current state of the industry and I know I have the vision to create a path forward. So those are two very specific examples I think that I continue to bump into in my uh, in my career. And I, I will say that I shared not too long ago with a friend, uh, a trusted friend, a, a fellow CEO uh, of his own company. And I said that the only the only piece of the only piece of me that should matter is my brain. And the only thing I should be judged on is the quality of my character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it's funny because I have my own sort of, you know, spin and answer on that same question. And it's much more difficult for, you know, for someone who, you know, is perceived as a caregiver, as a mom at home. But I get asked all the time, Gary, like, what, you know, like when, like, when are you going to stop? Isn't, isn't it been hard on your kids? And, and, and was it hard being away for all those early years? And, and people who are, are almost asking you that question with a kind of a, almost a dismissive kind of smirk, mm -hmm. in my opinion, you know, there's a, like, I, I'm much like you missed. I love what I'm doing. I love giving back. I love educating people. I love sharing our journey. I love being the poster child and saying, listen, you know, I was the guy that made so many of those like stupid mistakes. I mean, I'm firsthand example of, you know, of, of a dumbass that, that actually, you know, what is finding her way. And, you know, I, I don't ever want to stop. I mean, I think that if I can do more, shouldn't I, you know, I mean, I want to obviously, you know, health and, and, and family time and that stuff's all, all important. But for someone to think that you are somehow less because you're on an aircraft 
we had um, a very dear friend of mine just popped up a comment, Hallie Strandland. She, I was talking to you about that group, Wimmy, earlier offline, yes. and, and she was one of the founders of it. And she travels a couple hundred days a year. I mean, one of the hardest working, you know, individuals that I've ever met in the Canadian mortgage space. And she said she gets it all the time. And I think sometimes it's jealousy, right? They want to be able to discount what we do. And you're so successful, but at what expense? You had to give away, you know, a a wonderful life and human connections with kids. And I, I, I disagree. I don't feel that way. Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's okay to reject the narrative that, uh, you can't be a successful entrepreneur and a successful parent at the same time. And, you know, so I look at, you know, there were certainly, there are trade-offs in everything, right? Like I, it's a trade-off right now. I am trading off my time with your network for time with my own network. And, and, and I made that choice because I feel like I can add, give service, add something of value in this moment, maybe some encouragement or maybe a, a small model to follow, right? So I, I make a trade-off for that. There's a, a trade-off tonight if I'm working on work and I'm missing dinner. But guess what? On the other side of that trade-off, in both of those cases, the people that I'm not with, if they were, if there's good structure around them, they may end up stronger. All of my kids know how to cook. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got four boys who can all make dinner. I've got four boys who can all clean kitchen. You know, I've got one girl who can do the same. So all five of my kids can whip a house into shape, they can cook. My daughter was doing laundry at eight years old because I had five kids under the age of eight and I sat her down, took her face in my hands. I said, Bella, here's the deal. I know you're eight, but you have to learn how to do this because I need help and we couldn't afford help at the mm. time, right? So now I'm trading off time here. I'm with your network instead of mine, mm. but guess what? My people are stepping up. Mm. It's funny because there's a lesson right there. You know, we all know that. I mean, I know you know this, Mist, and, and I think a lot of us, you know, know what or should know it. You know, the more we, you know, the old saying, right? The more you give, the more you get. And, and you're never giving because you're looking for something in return. You just give because it feels good. And someone gave to us and someone gave us. You have a dear friend who's very close, who's been very impactful in your life, in David Linegar, the uh, worldwide CEO and founder of Remax, a friend of mine, a very close friend of Misty's. Um, you know, but you, so when I ask someone like you or I ask, you know, an Adam or a Darren or a, or a Lewis Howes or, you know, like, it's that's part of the gig, right? Giving back and yeah. and sharing with others uh, and and looking for no for no you know obviously payback. You just do it because it feels good to help others. Well, and, and I think too, Gary, something I could add to that, and perhaps a piece of this will land well with the people that are listening here today. You know, at this point in my career, if we grow, it it doesn't change my life, mm. it, and. Um, it just my daily practical life, right? So I'm not going to drive a different car. I've never been particularly interested in, in fancy clothes. I don't belong to the country club. We have a nice house. You know, our kids can go to college if they want to. I can buy organic food at the grocery store if I want. Like all of my needs and kind of this, this simple set of things that growing up as a scrappy Northsider, I felt like winning looked like. Like we've we've got those things. So right now my driving force is a couple of things. My driving force is jobs. I want to create jobs for other women so they can have flexible employment. So they don't have to choose between being a parent and being a professional. I have a driving desire to create more job opportunities. And here's my theory. If you need 10 40 hour a week workers to a job, you need 12 and a half flexible employees to do it 30 hours a week around their kids' schedule. 
it, yeah, you don't have to be an economist to figure that out. It's it's mm -hmm. just it's just easy math, right? So I'm I'm very zealous for jobs. I'm very zealous for our community health here. Uh, we've been sponsoring. We just did 4,600 meals for the Boys and Girls Club. We donated. Uh, we we raised money for that. I I want to see my community healthy. The best way I can do that is to leverage my um, my success, my privilege, my resources, my network to ease the road for somebody else. Uh, to get one parent home after school, I think is really important. I think that's a huge stabilizing factor, getting a, a parent home after school, getting some flexibility for that. And then I want to change the industry and I can't do that without resources. You know, We are a 100% unregulated, un, uh, largely unorganized industry in the US. There's pockets of organization, but there's you know there's kind of no central, no central voice of leadership in our industry. And I wanna leave that better than I found it. Uh, it's, it's been my heart, my passion. So that's my drive for growth right now. It's because I understand that without money, there's no mission. And that's my current mission is to provide that better path for uh, that, that mom who wants to work and contribute in that way and to leave my industry better. And to do that, we need resources. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, drive to grow to double to the, the company or three X the company for Misty. Like, Mm -hmm. I, I think we could do that. And I don't think you'd really see a change. I don't know. I mean, I, maybe we'd go on one more trip a year. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'd get an apartment where one of my kids ends up pursuing their career. That's just not in my DNA stuff. It's not really in my DNA. I don't know if it's how I grew up. And I'm not to say not to enjoy it. I enjoy my stuff. I have a beautiful home and I drive a, a, a nice car and we we take a nice trip with the kids, but that's not my driver. Mm -hmm. That's not my driver anymore. Uh -huh. I, I, you know, I mean, there again, I keep saying powerful, but, but so right. I say to people all the time, like, you know, once you, you, you finally, you know, get to a point where, you know, life is, is going good and your family is healthy and you're happy and you have the things that you need. It isn't about making more money for more stuff. It's, you know, maybe I can help my ailing parents that maybe struggled for most of their life, or maybe I can, you know, help somebody else who's, you know, kids need, you know, something at the dentist that they couldn't afford to do or a better school or an education, or maybe I can give back more to the local, you know, service on our, it's, I always say to people, it's, it's not about, you know, anyone who says it's not about the money is, is unfortunately someone who hasn't had the good fortune to give enough of it away. Right. And because once they do, we, we understand. And that's and that and sometimes there's this there's this, you know, idea that making money, especially with younger people, is bad. They've been raised in a house. Oh, he must be. You know, he's made a lot of money, you know, and they look at you with almost a negative connotation. And, you know, um, I think on the other way, if you can be more then I think there's a responsibility to become more. If yeah. you can help more, I think there's a responsibility to do that. And, you know, I think that's a really good message, Miss. Um, I want to ask you just sort of not not gender specific, but in your opinion, because you are a a raging entrepreneur. You are so good at it. And, you know, and you've learned one step at a time, right? One small yes at a time, as you said. Um, I guess that five on your coffee cup is for five kids. No, actually, this is in my office. We have 12 in our office. So if you want a cup of coffee, you drink out of your numbered cup and uh -huh. then you touch it. So I should have this at home, you know, like just plates with number one, two, three, four, five. And then maybe we'd have no more fights at dinner time over yeah, yeah. below the dishwasher. You're not kidding, eh? Yeah. Uh, so the question was, uh, in your opinion, what are the three attributes that every successful entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur uh, must have to become successful? Uh, you touched on them, you know, a few minutes ago on some other things, but is there three that you want to sort of like tie in a bow for us? 
Yeah, that's great. I, I love these kind of quick hit questions. So I think, first of all, um, you know, you have to have faith, you know, faith that there's a reason to do it, faith that it will matter, faith that will work out. It's that that's that kind of it's that um, inner sense that can look over the hedge or look over the horizon and say, like, I think this is I have faith that this is of such value that will get over there. For me, I have a strong personal faith. So I think that's a, a super key piece. I think you have to have friends like you have to enjoy the people that you work with. You have to. I mean, gosh, life is too hard already to show up and not have um, good friends to do life with, you know, friends in your family. I mean, my, my best friend is my husband. He's the one I can talk to about anything. I have a great friends in the office. I work with my sister, who's the best friend to me. Like, I, I want to have that faith that we're going somewhere good and I want to go somewhere good with good people. Mm. And, you know, I, I want to I want to be able to pay it forward. For me, my greatest motivator is lightening the load for somebody behind me, whether it's a little kid who and we didn't, we didn't touch on this, but it's it's weird that I can dance at all. I was born with a club foot and had a had it corrected at a young age. And there's many, many reasons why I shouldn't be any kind of a success in dance. But for whatever somebody might view as a limitation they might have, maybe it's in dance and look to me and say, hey, if she could do it, I could do it. Or maybe it's that young mom who is, you know, raising that first child or a pile of kids at home saying, oh my gosh, you know, if, if she could do it, then maybe I could learn something and do that. Or maybe it's somebody who wants to make a difference in their industry or to light a movement like we've done with our youth protection advocates and dance and bring standards or create professional opportunities for moms here on a, and on a, on a mission. You know, to, it's the forward piece. I want to pay it forward. So I want to have faith that what we do matters. I want to have that personal faith. I want to do it with people that I'm friends with. And I want to know that we are paying it forward. And, and for me, when I hit those three, it's a really good day. Miss, do you have time for an extra 10 minutes? I just got a couple of questions here. I have I, time for whatever you want. I cleared oh, my afternoon for you. You're incredible. David, do you want to uh, pop up maybe a next question for us? What advice do you have for those like me that are starting out during this pandemic? Hey, you know what? I think you are actually given a gift here, right? Because this is an op this is a time where everybody is basically rewriting uh, the rules of everything. You know, so for me as a current business owner, I'm being very careful not to bring forward unconscious unhappiness from my previous business life. We all have it. There's all something that you had just kind of accepted in your previous life. Don't drag that forward with you. You probably weren't happy with it. Maybe it was your schedule. Maybe it was your relationship, somebody you work with or you work for or who works for you or your pay or something was probably you were unconsciously happy about and you don't need to bring that forward with. So just, just know if you're starting right now, everybody's restarting right now. So I, I think, six months ago i would have said like oh gosh you know you you better like really steal yourself up for the fight you might really need to you know gird yourself for the battle know that so many people are ahead of you and all of a sudden we had this kairos moment you know so we had like chronos time going like this and then boom this kairos moment just dumped onto it which means like a moment in time not calendar time right and basically blew everything up and everybody's rebuilding everybody's re uh, considering how they want to live. So like for the first time, I think that I can remember in entrepreneurial history that I've lived at least, like we all to a certain degree, we just came down on the same field. We're all rebuilding. So I think it's a, it's a great time. 
in that regard. Now, there's some, some uncertainty going forward for sure. And that's where you have to balance that confidence with prudence and with wisdom. And, you know, maybe you want to pick a more recession proof business than maybe when you had considered before. I mean, you know, con consider that. Right. But as we look forward, we are saying we want to build things that are dis uh, recession proof and depression proof, meaning we want to be able to weather any economy, whether we can teach in person or not, whether we can teach five kids or 50 kids. We want to really build going forward to be recession proof and depression proof, which deals with that unconscious unhappiness piece. You know, I want to build things I actually want to live with 10 or 20 years from now. So if you're starting out now and you look at those things on the front side and you realize that everybody got, you know, the, the field got flattened, I, I think you will have the confidence to move forward. Mm -hmm. Great answer. Um, before we go to the next question, I want to just, uh, uh, for those that do have to sign off right at two o'clock, um, listen, we're going to give away 50 copies of uh, Misty's book. So we're going to pick 50 sort of random posts on social media. So LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, if you're uh, not a friend of mine on Facebook, please uh, reach out. We don't care where you post it. You can tag me. You can tag Misty. Uh, and head office here. Tara will get these books out right away like she always does. Uh, but her book is incredible. And it's just all of these little life lessons and these thought processes and overcoming doubt and, you know, the afflictions of the fearful and the afflictions of the hopeful and, you know, all the things that one small yes will help you correct um, are, are, are very powerful. So please make a comment online, guys. Tag us. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, it's nice to be able to share such a dynamic, down-to-earth, authentic uh, perspective missed. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing. Uh, I would love that. And if you mind taking me, I'd love to see the feedback. I mean, really, that's what Gary and I do stuff like this for, is just to know that, you know, maybe something that was said or shared, or even sometimes, guys, it's conversation between what's happening in the chat has nothing to do with what Gary or I are saying, but you find someone in the, in the chat who's your bookend, you're like, oh my gosh, there's somebody like me in a conversation keeps going online. That's, that's what we live for. That's what we do this for. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, uh, I want to just go to one more here right now. And you and I touched on it uh, uh, earlier, but where do you feed yourself? Where does your personal development? So I know you're part of obviously Darren, Dar Dar Darren Daly, of course, yeah. and Darren Hardy. And you and I met at one of the high performance forums uh, initially. At what age did you start like being a uh, voracious lifelong learner? And where do you look now? to you know get top quality sounding boards and advice so i'm actually going to back it up just a tiny bit i don't know if this is what you're you're asking for but i think it's important to note so when, when i was in high school i wasn't a super great student i just uh total it's a conversation for another day but i was i was pretty pretty tuned out and not making great choices and the librarian came up to me and said hey we've got a program for smart kids who don't get good grades <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I'm going to check it out. Really, I think that's where that love of learning came in because it wasn't something I was doing to check a box. It was something that I was doing because somebody told me there was something inside of me that was worth it. And that was a big game changer for me. And then, you know, I went to college and went from, you know, just scrapping the most mediocre of high school academic life to graduating with a 4.0. And uh, something was lit inside of me where I thought, like, learning is not only essential, it's fun. Like this learning gives me energy. Even learning from 
you know, we, we had a call before this, which probably most people wouldn't know, but I'm asking you about your industry. Mm -hmm. to learn how you do that. That gives me joy. That gives me gas for my tank, if you will. So, you know, in my early years, learning was fairly functional. Like I had to learn because I didn't know anything. I was the, the Spanish major who became a dance studio owner. So I had to learn how to do accounting. Right. I had to learn how to do marketing and budgets and curriculum development. So it was very functional. And now I, now I learn to basically build the future or to build a better life around me. Like we know how to do those functions of business now. So now I'm learning for the new things that I want to build, or now I'm learning to have um, the world that I live in be better. So let me kind of pull those two apart, if you don't mind, Gary. The going forward stuff, that's what I show up at, uh, at a Darren Hardy High Performance Forum for, you know, where you and I sit there and we say, oh my gosh, you know, how do we, how do we lead our teams better and build a better business and market better and share our messaging better? For me, that's like very forward motion business stuff. And then for the kind of what's around me, that's some more of my personal disciplines. I'm currently um, doing an app to read through the Bible end to end, cover to cover, because you know, as a as a person of faith, I'm like, I think I think there's um, there's wisdom in me spending time mm -hmm. to you know say well, like what would God have to say about love and patience mm -hmm. for 2020? Like I, I want to know. So for for the life that I live in, I listen to podcasts when I'm running. I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's really about the life that I'm living in right now. Honestly, sometimes I find out I try to listen to contrarian voices to mm -hmm. stretch my thinking a little bit. So if it's business, I'm really like you know, one or two voices, one or two mentors follow that. And for this life thing, I really want a, a diversity and a richness around me because that's the life I live in. I think it's the life you live in too. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, 100%. I want to, I want to reiterate something that I just wrote down that Misty said that just hit me, you know, over the head, like a sledgehammer. And this is for all of you. And please, you know, try to do this today, guys, and tomorrow and next week and next year. Misty said, someone told me something inside of me that I was worth it. Do you know how powerful that statement was in my opinion? You know, there's a lot of us that are young and that are navigating the world and that, you know, are coming from, you know, challenging households and, and there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I always say, show me a person without a problem and I'll show you a liar. We all have them. But the fact yeah. that you can actually be on high alert, have your radar up, right yeah. to you know help someone recognize that there's something inside of them that's actually worth it and make sure you tell them and drive that point home i think yeah. you know what that is the greatest takeaway for me and the greatest reminder today misty that's that's incredible um one last question for you that i want to sort of uh wrap with i know you love biographies and i know you're a big reader um if you could pick one or two books it uh, doesn't have to be a biography. It doesn't have to be even a business book, but just, you know, sort of two of your favorite books. What is Misty reading? Well, like I said, right now I'm I'm plowing, plowing through the Bible cover to cover. That's cool. Uh, so, I mean, that's a biography, if you've ever yeah. read one, right? Like the story story of people's lives. Um, gosh, I have, you know, I'll actually just show you here. Can I just show you? This is true yeah, of my life. You know, like this is what my desk looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I am the one who plows through several books, several books at a time. Um, so I've, I've got several books going on right now. I'll just tell you, we've got the Entrepreneur Solution going on right now. We've got the Culture by James Hunter going on, new release. Um, so those aren't necessarily biographies, but I'm just I'm constantly learning. It's my go-to. It's what calms me down. 
and I'm not going to say I, I don't enjoy a good Netflix series with my family once in a while, but this is like for me personally, if I just need to, uh, to pull the center, that that's what I, that's what I go to. Incredible. It's funny that you uh, are much like me. My wife doesn't understand how I can be reading three books at once. And just like whatever I feel like as I'm getting into bed, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. But well, I, right, I, Yeah, right now, it's, um, I guess you could call it part biography. I'm reading a book called Black Like Me. Okay. In love of everything that's happening with the US. It's a book from, I want to say the early 1960s. And it's about a, a man who is a writer and a researcher. And he, you know, he basically, um, he took some pigmentation uh, chemicals, pharmaceuticals, and he stained himself and he went into uh, New Orleans and into Mississippi to really feel what it would be and to understand what it would be like to live like that. So a lot of what I read, Gary, is about what's happening either in my life right now that I'm looking for wisdom on or what is happening in my world that I'm looking um, for greater understanding about. So that's what is currently on my bedstand. Um, you know, so I'm kind of out of my jumping books right now to do a deep dive into that because because it because it matters. You know, I don't want to show up unaware in my privilege. I want to um, show up as you know, not as a you know, not as a misty self improvement project, but as a as a world improvement. Um, effort to have better understanding and to see how I can use what I have to actually um, you know, affect positive change for others who don't. Absolutely. Just incredible. Miss, listen, I'm going to wrap and thank you here. And then I'm going to uh, just give some announcements for next week. But Misty, uh, before I hang up, I, I want you to be abundantly clear just how appreciative and how grateful I am and how much of a rock star I think you are and your ability to just care and be present and, and give like impactful, powerful answers is like, is like nothing I've seen. It is such a gift and you are such an amazing demonstration of, of what I call just an incredible badass woman, an incredible badass entrepreneur. And you, you know, you do it with grace and, and dignity and you're, incredibly introspective. So on behalf of everyone on this call and the many, you know, people on the uh, live streams and on all the splicing clips that we're going to be, um, you know, using uh, in the future, I just want you to know that you've made a difference today and, uh, and anything I can ever do for you as a return, please reach out to me. I mean, I, I I'm bending backwards. I'm doing backflips to be able to help you sometime in the same way that you've helped us. Thank you. So I'll make sure that everyone uh, tags you, that you get all the clips. Um, as we as we wrap, guys, a couple things quickly. Uh, I want to just talk about next week we have Dr. Sherry Cooper, our Chief Economist, Tuesday, June, uh, June 16th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I know uh, Sherry was on this uh, cast with Misty here. She just sent a, a beautiful message. Thank you, Sherry. A lot going on in the Canadian finance sector right now. Uh, Sherry's always a breath of fresh air and her information is so cutting edge. So that's coming. Uh, also on Wednesday, June 17th, uh, a lot of you know this is open to the industry. Todd Duncan is doing a half day session for the entire Canadian industry mortgage finance with our brand, with another brand. I don't care who you are. It's an opportunity for us to break off for the summer and to give you guys something back that says, hey, listen, there's some principles that we can put into our business 
through June and July and August that are not only going to make certain that we have an incredible, you know, July and August, but that we come back in the fall and we've done all the things that we need to make sure that our business is coming out of this COVID-19 period, 19 period stronger than ever before. You know, it's like planting a garden. What we do today is going to bear fruits down the road. And, you know, this thing with Todd, guys, as I've said, there's no smoke. There's no, you know, rah, rah. It's just incredibly great advice to be an impact performer, uh, to be the very best in the industry. He's a, he's actually a, a friend of Misty's as well and a, and a friend of, uh, of mine. So that is available. So please, I ask you to share that link once you see it. There's some video segments going out. And then the very next day, Wednesday, the 18th, last thing, Brian Scudamore. Brian Scudamore is one of the most prolific entrepreneurs to come out of Canada. Uh, right out of high school, he started a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He has parlayed that into many, many businesses. He operates worldwide now. He is a good old Vancouver boy. Uh, he's been on um, obviously Oprah, he's, uh, been on undercover boss. He was the undercover boss. He has done such a great job at personal branding. Uh, like I'm talking like globally and, and he is going to have just an incredible, uh, 60 minutes with us. So please tune into that. Finally, again, Misty, I'm keeping them. Misty, you are one class badass lady. Thank you. I'm reading them as they come up. Miss, you and I will stay on. We'll talk briefly afterwards, but again, Thank you to all of DLC, MTC, MA, all of our companies, our affiliates, our friends, our invites, brokers from other companies. Thank you for tuning in, right? Thank you for having an open mind. Thank you, everyone. I sure enjoyed it. I hope we get to, get to connect again in the future. We are definitely going to connect in the future, Mist. I promise you. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a